This is Negotiate X Podcast, show number 31, part two. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Well, and that's what I was hoping you, you kind of talk maybe more about is that, I mean, part of the, ne- the the negative consequence of a threat is the emotionality. We we hear about emotions and, and uh, nature, the emotional nature of real estate transactions, right? Because it's not just a home, but it's, it was my home, right? How, how do the, how do things like emotions show up when you're, when you're working with buyers and sellers? No, that's a, that's a great question because I think it goes into something deeper as a professional because it, it goes back into, I think, I think you hit it on though. And it's like that agent principal tension. So how are you managing their interests, their emotions, and you're essentially intermediary, right? It, would you agree? Yeah. And so I feel like brokers are, we're our worst critics. So we may not think that we're effective because we're not moving forward fast enough to get to closing. In my experience, in, in managing their interests, their expectations, their emotions, I think it comes into three things. Consistency. And when I say consistency, it's consistency as you as a professional. Because remember, they hired you for who you are, what you demonstrated. And the moment you start deviating from who you are, I, you start derailing yourself because remember they hired you for who you are and what you have done. And that's both the buyer and seller. And you need to be consistent with that because why the buyers and sellers will become emotional. They will become pessimistic. They will like, they will get stressed by other factors outside of the deal. And so if you're consistent, you literally double down on your superpower. Does that make sense? So stay yeah. consistent. Don't let go. Second is being refreshing. And th- these are things I just like made up in terms of how I balance that. They're, they're no like, you know, scholarly things. I'm writing yeah, it down. So it's yeah, official. So yeah, don't you worry. Just, uh, and so what I've learned is that if you're refreshing, in order to keep effective communication, you need to constantly remind them of their interest, of their end state. It's like, you know, we're in the army. We're like, yo, man, we got like 10 more miles in this ruck. When we're done, you know what's next. We can be, we can go on leave, you know, whatever. You know, I know it's a simple example, but you want to remind them that, hey, when we're done here, we're going to continue your legacy. We're going to take those proceeds and we're going to go get you another asset that's going to provide for, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so if you don't remind them, they, they'll just get overwhelmed and, and it's over. And so, and then lastly, I, I would say discipline, but it's, Discipline within endurance, because, you know, not all transactions are like quick and easy. And like the big deal I just did, that was extensive. You know, it was over a year and, and usually transactions don't, don't take that long. And so when you're going into this 
war, right? This campaign. I mean, you got to have endurance because the experience in totality is overwhelming. And so I always say that there's a big difference between motivation and discipline, right? Motivation will fade. It's, it's a natural human drive that, that you need to constantly boost your brain to keep, to keep going. But within discipline, I mean, you are literally, it's, it's more important than motivation. You're, you're constantly moving in the right direction based on habits. And so if you are disciplined within the transaction, keeping professional, keeping uh, pragmatic, always underwriting, always being ethical, right? Keep that discipline because the emotions are just going to flare. And the moment you start appealing to their emotions, both buyer and seller, I mean, you're, you're, gonna, you're probably going to end up unethical or you're going to end up illegal. Does that make sense? Because the yeah. consumer, the buyer and seller, they did, they did, they're not licensed. They don't practice. Yeah, they may buy or sell real estate, but they don't know the, the law of the land, how the industry works and what are the real consequences for not disclosing a foundation because they're, they're like, oh, it's going to end the deal. Like, no, you will disclose because of X, Y, and Z. You know, this law states this. And so it's really those three things, being consistent, being refreshing, staying disciplined, no matter how long the transaction takes. Brian, you um, have talked a little bit here. You've referenced this big deal that you just just experienced. I'd love to hear a little bit. Can tell us tell us that story. I think so many times we think about real estate as kind of a single transaction, many negotiations, a single, single transaction. And this one sounds like what you were just describing. It was occurring over time and all these, you know, need for strategy, need for patience, discipline, really put into practice. Are you willing to share? Are you able to share a little bit about the, about what you just, what you just experienced and worked through? Oh yeah, I, I definitely will. Uh, I won't mention like any names or, you know, or, or whatever, but uh, cause you know, the consumer or the viewer can, can go and research who these people are, but uh, just to be professional. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be the meat of this, right? And to really taking a huge case study and applying those seven elements, right? And understanding how this case, this experience I had is just one big no negotiation culminating event. And, 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 uh, and like I said, before we came here, I'm like, I'm so excited to tell this story with you first. So I think it was like God willing, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll say the story how how I got there and then getting into the contract, right? And so I, I started commercial real estate during COVID. So probably one of the worst times to just enter a new venture, right? Timing and, was never timing was never your uh, your strength. I'm just <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, it's like an IED. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just, uh, so I started and I'm a, I'm a big whale. I call it Moby Dickon. Like I'm a big whale hunter. I, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I spearfish in residential. I say it because there's a lot of fishes, right? But the big deals are, are incredibly sexy, incredibly attractive, uh, but they take so long and they probably will never come. Right. And so that was my, like my hunting, uh, in, like theme. And so I was like, I want a big one. So I, started leveraging my network and I found a, a client who owned a hotel. And at that time I, I found a buyer and I was doing the deal at the time it was 15 million and it was classic, you know, old school versus new school. They never, it never worked together. And it fell apart on my birthday, August 26, 2020. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm working mm. out and I, my wife and I are trying to enjoy my birthday. And, uh, and I, cause I had to go work out. I was so angry and we were at like a little hotel resort here in town. And, uh, and I was like, man, I got to survive. I got to save this deal. So I contact our network and I found my teammate. Uh, he, he was a comrade with me and he was a big broker in Dallas. That's Mark Allen. Definitely recommend to get him on because he has yeah. such a, a, an incredible um, stuff to offer his experience and so forth. And I was like, hey, man, I know you can get this Dallas money to Colorado Springs, right? Dallas is an incredible market. And he's like, yeah, let me give me give me the situation. I was like, hey, it's a hotel and they want to convert it to apartment. Do you have any buyers? And literally in five minutes, Mark's like, I remember I met this individual. He does hotel conversions at this conference. Hey, boom. So he set it up. And so it was my turn now to like make this happen. And unfortunately, immediately I, I, I got this new buyer to, uh, to offer on the hotel. It didn't work out. He's like, nope, it's not the criteria. And I'm like, well, this, this is horrible. But remember, I said, chase the objection. Why is it not? right? Tell me why. Um, Help me understand why this isn't blah, blah, blah. And he did. He gave me the exact criteria. So he wanted hundreds of units, right? He wanted a certain price per door. He wanted amenities to complement the the building so it feels more homey, more as an apartment. And so it needed to be more of an extended stay hotel. So he gives me this laundry list, right? And so like in the army, they teach you like, hey, make sure you have your pen and notebook out, right? And so I'm just writing it down. And so I, I literally was like, okay, well, I got to go search for this. And I looked through all the databases to find the right hotel. And there was only one. And it was Hotel Elegante. And it was literally the third largest hotel in the state. And uh, it's so funny because if you've been to Fort Carson, right? And, and if, you, if you've seen this, you see the hotel every day. It's off right off I-25. I'm like, how has this never been been asked to sell? And and uh, and then I was like, well, in in commercial real estate, you always have to solidify the listing side, so you have to have value to the buyers because usually in commercial real estate, the the clients are sophisticated, so they're like, why do I need you? I could go and and get it myself. They think they can, right? They think they can. They could definitely underwrite it, but that doesn't mean they can broker it. And so brokering is, is purely negotiations, right? Um, and so I literally uh, made the phone call of my life, right? To call their company, right? Who owned the property. And I would, I would be, you know, I mean, you know, my personalities, they're, uh, I'm, I like to be very charismatic, very dynamic, very passionate. Some people don't like that, but I, I like to be that extreme. Uh, because I feel like life is too short. So, you know, why why not deliver as much enthusiasm as possible? And so literally I called and said, hey, I got an offer. Where do I, who do I give it to? And they're like, what do you mean? It's not for sale. I'm like, no, have you, have you checked with your approving authority? Has he said he's not interested <laughs> in selling? You know, the army, right? Get back to like, well, you're not, you, you got to see who's in charge, right? And so they had an acquisition director and I was like, no, I need to get this offer immediately. Right. So it goes into communication. How are you presenting it? The tonality being deliberate. And, and they were sophisticated. And they're like, OK, this young guy came out of nowhere. You know, and I, I, would, I came legitimate. Right. I always include my resume. I'm very professional. I speak the language. I know how to underwrite. I know how to I know what everything means. And so they're like, OK, 
give me a second. We'll see what happens. And um, I had a price in mind already and because I know the math. I, I'm legitimate. And literally, it was like, by the grace of God, they're like, we're interested. And I was like, okay, now I have to secure a, a letter of intent from, from the buyer to, to show proof, right? Right. But at the same time, I got to get a listing contract. So before we got under contract, the buyer did, I mean, the seller did not like the buyer's letter of intent. Didn't like who they were, only liked the price. Wasn't a fan of the terms, was concerned because of the interest. And I'll get into it because when there was that stalemate in getting under contract, I had to literally take a red eye. Because it's so funny in the way, and I think I think I'm going to talk a lot about communication because in this day and age, everything's done by text, right? Yeah. Everything's done by email. The 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 you know we we're removing the person out of it, and we're trying to to put the technology behind it. And when and I feel like with the higher price points you go, or the more um, dramatic the deal is, the more it's important for the person to still be there. And so I was like, you know what? We're not going nowhere. I'm going to see you tomorrow morning. Can, can we do that? And they're like, you're, you're coming here to Texas? I was like, yeah, I'm going to take a red eye. And so literally took the red eye, met them, and I met the, the seller. And what was amazing is that that's where relationship comes in. You are going there not to do the deal. You're going there to make the relationship. And so if you really think about that, I think that will change everyone's dynamic uh, and how they communicate uh, the deal and how they negotiate. I literally investigated everything about this seller. I knew his wedding anniversary. I knew every deal he did. I knew he was a Marine, right? Set up commonality. I knew everything. And every time I spoke with him, I somehow tied it to his history. And the moment you, 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 the moment you do that, you're literally satisfying trust. And so, and, and within relationship to, to make it easier, if you listen well, right, if you're truly listening to their interests, you're good at your job and you care, you, you have answered all the trust. Like that's all you have to do is those three things to really develop that relationship because it's relationships based on trust. So he knew I listened because I researched him. And then when we had the, the, the engagement, his interest was that, listen, I'm a Christian man. I know I can make money, but I'm incredibly sensitive to the sale of the hotel. You know why? Because I have a hundred plus of staff, right? We're in a pandemic. Doesn't this look like I'm being selfish to sell, right? Yes, I have, you know, I have other responsibilities, but I need to be very sensitive to the timeline. And I need to make sure that this is as quiet as possible, that this can move as quick as possible. And that we could not become this big marketing press release uh, because, you know, the market at the time was emotional. Regardless, he loved me. He gave me his trust and I took it and we made the deal eventually work. And that's a whole nother saga of like all the, the concessions and all the options and, and what happened. And we can hit on those, but that's pretty much the, the, the genesis of this, of the, and, and we haven't even started the deal. Right. Isn't it crazy? Right. <laughs> so that's what I'm about. Like, you know, the seven yeah. element preparation tool applies to all the timelines. There was a pre pre-contract timeline. Yeah. So sorry. Right. Yeah. 
Well, we talk, we talk about that. Brian, Brian, it's a great story. We talk about the application of these seven elements, right? In it just to, just to get to the table, right? Just to get to establish the trust so you understand what the real concerns are. Somebody's not going to do that with you if they if they don't trust you, uh, if you don't listen, if if if, if you're not good at your job, right? You got to demonstrate those things, and then it carries through the execution of the negotiation all the way into implementation as well. So. Is there more? We have a little more time. Oh, I'm sure yeah. folks would love to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, well, any it's other... actually interesting. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I'm throwing it here is, uh, so we actually had Officer Mike Baker on episode 19 of Negotiate X, and he had talked about the importance of that face-to-face communication. Yeah. And too often we're relying on text messages or emails when the power of getting in front of somebody, you know, he was an LAPD SWAT negotiator. So his ability to see eye to eye with whoever he was negotiating with was extremely important. So I think that that obviously paid off in your shoes uh, with no, this indeed, deal as well. Indeed. It, it's, it's refreshing too, to see a person, right. And you can connect in so many letters and seeing a, a blue or green text. Right. And so, uh, but yeah, definitely. And we could break it down. Right. You know, I think I talked about the interest already, you know, the seller was sensitive to, to his organization, but the buyer, you know, they really wanted to enter a new market, right? They wanted to continue proving their concept, right? You know, what I've noticed in commercial real estate, it's about money or pride. And it's probably both, right? And, uh, and, but that interest to me became like a weakness for them because they needed to, to what's next, right? This was the biggest conversion they'll do. There was, there was a new market that was exploding. And so that interest to me becomes um, a dependency. So that so I knew that that the buyer was gonna was gonna perform, but they were very sophisticated. They were very very tough, very def- defensive. But they knew because they were the only ones that could make this hotel work because that was the highest and best use. And the seller just wanted the right price, right? But he wanted to do it on his terms. In regards to options in this, right. You know, again, the, the options will derive from the interest. So if the interest is that the buyer closes in a timely manner, he's really saying like, hey, you need to be deliberate and you need to, move, I don't want to get entangled in this process and be exposed. So, you know, the options, the biggest one was making sure that the timeline was set. Hey, after you offer, you need, you have X amount of days to submit to the city for approval for conversion, right? So that's simple, right? And keep that timeline deliberate. So, but the buyer's options are like, well, yeah, I could do that, but I don't want to be restricted by time. I want it more trigger. Because in timeline, it's either based on events or time. And and in this case, there's there's so much risk involved um, because you don't know what's going to be expected by the city and by the other atmospherics in the deal. So it, it, in creating that option, you need sure. to have legitimacy in offering that. And the only way you have legitimacy is you've done the due diligence in the city's process, right? And you can make those educated assumptions so that you can advise accordingly. You'd be like, hey, sir, you know, this option on average takes this long. But since the zoning is permitted, you know, it should go faster or whatever, right? So you, you need to deep dive into the legitimacy of that option to show them that, hey, it satisfies both, right? So that was that was huge, right? Uh, because it's funny that the seven element preparation tool, like almost all it t- is all touching each other, right? 
alternatives, like in this case, there really wasn't much alternative because the seller pretty much said, if we don't close with this buyer, we're done. Like there is no, I don't want to go to market. So imagine it's a, the tension, right? There's only one chance. And so the alternative is pretty straightforward, either buy or get off the pot. But, you know, in understanding their BATNA, the seller's BATNA is just continuing their operations. But he had other interests in mind that I think kind of depreciated that BATNA, right? Because he could take that money and do something else. Right. The buyer's BATNA, like I said, was they really wanted the property because it was a trophy. It was a trophy deal. And to walk away, they, they I'm sorry, they didn't even have a BATNA because they can go back and they'll probably miss this unicorn. It, it won't come back on the market. So really, I think the, the BATNA was in the favor of the seller. He had something that the buyer wanted. He wasn't that motivated unless he got the price and terms he wanted. That was really interesting because yeah. that leads into threats, which I'll get into right now, is because whose BATNA is the strongest? Because when it comes down to a threat, it, it, better, be, it better be strong enough to defend it. And there's an emotional time in the contract where uh, it was like August of this year and we got response back from the city and the city said, Hey, this looks great. It's in the zoning. There's a couple of uh, notes from all the departments, right? Like the fire department, the the utilities department, right? But there was one note where the parks and recreation, remember we're in Colorado Springs, America's backyard. So they are very focused on land. Right. So when there's a new development coming in, regardless if it's an existing structure, the city wants land to be preserved. So if you're going to add more units, more uh, stationary units, permanent units, um, they want you to add more land. So they literally said, hey, you're either going to provide seven acres or you're going to provide seven hundred thousand dollars in lieu of that of that of that regulation. And that was that was that was going to destroy the deal because all of a sudden you got a, almost a million dollar bill for, for something you can't even produce. You can't even buy $700,000 worth of land because it's not available. And there's no land. You would have to literally assemble it in, in, in member time. You got a timeline. And so, and at that same time, right. when I'm supposed to be there, right, I get COVID. And I literally, literally am dying. <laughs> oh, I'm not joking. I, I recorded the entire experience from the, the from the story I told you from the beginning to, to where we are right now, uh, because I couldn't believe this was happening in my life. Right. And uh, I got COVID. I couldn't even literally I was one month, almost two months, literally dead uh, to the bed. I, I was on oxygen. I was taking everything, steroids, antibiotics, you name it. I literally thought I was going to die. I mean, Lana and wow. I can, can attest to that. It's no joke. And because of the relationship I formed with the seller, and remember he was a Christian man and he was a, a loyal guy. He called me and he goes, let me pray over you. And I, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but um, I'll never forget that. And it just shows that like in the question you guys asked me, like what's most, most important in all this, it's really relationships and legitimacy. And he goes, I'll pray over you. He prayed over me. He's like, hey, Brian. I'm going to make sure we get this to the table, like get this to close. And I'm like, this guy's working for me now. Right. You know? And so I'll never forget that. And um, <laughs> I love that yeah. man. I, I admire that man uh, because he didn't have to do that. 
But again, he still wanted to sell because he probably had bigger interest and he was, he was just right. happy of everything I'd done, right? They negotiated, they came to concessions to how to pay that 700 and, the, and we moved on. And so after that, just getting to the finish line. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there, you know, there was a lot of commitments in this, right? You know, the, the contract itself, right? That, you know, we did the Colorado yeah. real estate contract, right? Because we're operating in Colorado, but they can add provisions to it. Uh, and they can add a, a de- a amendments to it where they just put another lawyer in and a lawyer will draft like 35 pages that just further illustrates the terms. So there was commitments there. The big thing in commercial real estate and commitments is that there needs to be a gradual earnest money, a gradual equitable interest that keeps going up uh, because, you know, you got to pay to play. And so like right on contract, you know, they deliver, I think it was $25,000 non-refundable. And then immediately it just goes up and up and up to where, I mean, you're getting to quarter, maybe even half a million dollars and you're not even including the due diligence that you have to do during the contract. So there's commitments there. You want to show the seller like you are performing and the buyer and, 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 you, and the buyer needs to sh- demonstrate that right. to, sh- to actually get to seeing if this was even the, the right choice. And, you know, I mean, you sprinkle literally communication along the whole, the whole chain because you're literally communicating the relationship, communicating your legitimacy, communicating your alternatives, options, and interests. But yeah, I mean, I, I could talk all day and I don't, I don't want this to be too long because uh, I want to hear, you know, your questions. You guys probably have plenty of questions, but hopefully that helps. Yeah. Oh, Brian, it's, yeah, it's a wonder. It's you no, know, it's, it's really wonderful. So when did this all come to a conclusion? It's just, just in the last month or so. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 30 December. Fantastic. Well, well, no, well, well, well done. And what a great analysis. Um, I'm going to encourage you to continue writing it up. If you recorded it up to the point where you got COVID, you should write the rest of it up. You've got the, you got the basis of whether it's a great article or it's a book. Yeah. Um, as, as long as you and Lana have been doing this now, uh, I'd expect to see a book coming out from the two of you at some point. Well, Nolan and I would be very happy to, to grab that and read that. So, well, so, so, so many wonderful lessons learned there. Hey, Brian, that was an awesome story, man. Really appreciate it. I mean, incredible work for you and the team. Um, great job all around. I'm, I'm glad to, to hear about your success. You know, it, it's really awesome. And, and thinking about how negotiations really played a role in that success, I mean, it's even better. What I want to ask you now is kind of what's next for you and, um, and make sure that you let, let the listeners know whoever has $25 million to go buy a hotel where they need to find you and, uh, and get in touch with you. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's next? I, I, I would say like, I can't stop. I have this desperation to continue giving back. Cause that's one of the things like life is so short where it's like, you know, what do you do after this? Like, what do you do after a big sale like this? Right. And the only way is to really give back and you get back to the world. I, I'm telling you, it comes back like tenfold. And so I'm going to continue that. I'm going to continue adding value to the Colorado Springs landscape uh, now through commercial. Uh, my wife and I are pretty confident that we're already doing that in residential here in the city. But, you know, commercial is where you really change the landscape, right? Retail, restaurants, hospitality, service industry, office, right? That's where you change like the dynamic of the city. Um, keep giving back. Like, you know, sir, you, you talked about you should write a book. 
So I've just been writing all my experiences down and I, I call it sales as service. Um, and it's like a military application, right? Because when I was getting out, there was no like handbook to get into real estate, right? And, and but I'm like, we're so valuable because of just the investment the army gave. So I'm just taking that application from great leaders like yourself who taught me negotiations and applying that. Um, and, and then, you know, keep leveraging the network and, and adding value to our West Point network. Um, I believe that, you know, we're going to change the world through real estate. and It's going to be by West Pointers. And yeah, that's biased, but I think every professional should have that. They should have some sort of alma mater, some sort of tribe that, that they believe is going to change the world. Um, so that's definitely, definitely what I'm going to do next. That's awesome, man. This is a podcast that is all about taking action to really help elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. And I think one of the key takeaways that I have from listening to you today, Brian, was when you had talked about the importance of the relationship and the legitimacy and working these extended deals, you know, I think that for you to have built a relationship so that the seller is now on your team after already finding the buyer, I mean, that's pretty, pretty powerful. So um, I'll definitely take that as something that, you know, I can always improve on is building that relationship even stronger to be more effective negotiator. And so I'll turn it over to Aram uh, to see what kind of takeaways you had. Yeah, there, there's so many, Nolan, and I just encourage uh, listeners to go back through whether or not you're involved in real estate. There are lessons that Brian shared today that apply in every aspect of life, uh, everywhere where you're trying to negotiate or influence with folks. If you are, you know, looking for an agent, I love, Brian, what you shared about the, the importance of consistency and delivering that, the importance of being refreshing along the path, reminding people of their end state, the discipline with an endurance. And folks, if, if you're looking for a real estate agent, I think those are things you want to look for. If somebody's going to represent you, those are very valuable qualities to have that somebody who's going to represent you, negotiate on, on your behalf, understand your interests and take the time. And again, there's so many other things I feel like I could go to. The communication sprinkled throughout the process you described, the ability to listen really well, to understand uh, interests, get creative. Just so much, Brian. And, uh, you know, you said, and I'm going to pass this back to Nolan in a second, but you said, you know, you, you, you feel strong about delivering um, as much enthusiasm as you can. Every interaction I have with you, you do that. Uh, you certainly have today. And, and just thanks again for taking the time to be on the show with us. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, thanks for joining us, Brian. We really appreciate it. And appreciate everybody listening. You can catch us in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.